welcome to episode 114 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm JR. This week we're talking Kevin's pick, which is Memories from 1995, directed by, help me out, Kevin, Moto Miyamoto? Uh, Kochi Moromoto, uh, Katsuhiro Tomo, and uh, let me get the, the other guy. Right. There are three directors because it's a three-part film. It has vignettes. It's an anime from Japan. There's also a female director listed on the IMDb, an American, which I don't really know what that's about. It's mm. probably for the dub. Yeah. Did, that's, uh, that's true. That's true. We did a new dub for this last year. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay. like the Blu-ray for this like literally just came out like last month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is a shame, because, like, like, I was telling uh, JR the other day, like, it's weird to me that, like, yeah, they've, like, Criterion has a bunch of um, animated stuff on uh, the channel right now, but, like, Akira and Fantastic Mr. Fox were, like, the two that they had in, like, their entire collection, and... Fantastic Planet. Yeah, Fantastic Planet. But, but yeah, like, three out of, like... You know, whatever they're up to, yeah, thousand. over a thousand titles. I mean, there uh, there are probably a couple of others that we're not thinking about, right? I mean, I, I'd have to I'd have to look it up. I'm, I'm sure there's probably no. some um, some other thing, but like, but yeah, like a, a very extremely little um, animation overall. And, Watership down. Oh yeah. Uh, the fabulous Baron Munchausen, but I'm not sure that that's actually. That, is that well? That's sort of like half stop motion, half live yeah. action, and it. It's not the Gilliam film though. It's the um, from right, sixty two. Yeah. The, the yeah. Yeah. Right. It's very good, but yeah, that, I would not count. Okay. They also. When you Google it, it also gives you uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which is. <laughs> I don't know what they're... I mean, I guess because of the stop-motion sea monsters and stuff. Yeah, which... Well, that... Yeah. yeah. Criterion is very serious. <laughs> Animated films are... Right? Children's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, a lot of them are. I mean, that's... Yeah, unless they're, unless they're like, super, like, esoteric or, like, uh, you know, whatever, like... Art, you know, art house uh, animation that they are right. So the, the collection the, is called right now. But the the Carol Zeman films. When you when you look it up on their official website, it's the three films you mentioned, mm. and it's the Carol Zeman films, and that's it. Mm. So it's like six types, five five six titles total. Right, and and yeah, like they never did a uh, DVD or Blu-ray of uh, of Akira. That was just uh, right. Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's absurd. I mean they can't uh, they can't release any of the uh, Miyazaki stuff because Disney owns it now. Yeah, so. and I mean, yeah, I don't know that they necessarily need to do those because, like, like I've said many times before, G Kids is doing great releases of. Uh, but I mean that's not that's Blu-ray, not what I'm talking. I'm just saying that, like, if we're talking about them releasing. Uh, like more serious I mean like mm. those are films are well regarded yeah. in the film community like you know they're not just for kids necessarily mm. so you know but uh 
I mean, it's not like they're going to release, you know, Despicable Me or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. We need a, we need a Satoshi card. Oh, yeah, like, uh, Perfect Blue would be a, a, yeah. a perfect uh, addition to the collection, I yeah. agree. But that'll never happen, but... <laughs> I wonder if there are a lot of rights issues, or maybe like a lot of these animated movies are... Yeah, we'll get like a... Coveted and still valuable to, to who owns them. We'll get a criterion of uh, Perfect Blue whenever they release criterions of like... Um, Pie or uh, whatever else. Oh, I love that. Whatever too. else uh, Aronofsky has done, because like, I I don't know the whole story, but he bought like the, I don't know, like American. He distribution bought the rights, rights. for yeah yeah, or, yeah, yeah, like, but then he at the time yeah. though, I don't know that could have lapsed by now. That's yeah, it's been in, twenty years. It's entirely now. possible. And he doesn't want anyone to see it because yeah, because he may he doesn't he doesn't want people to know. That's not true. Come on. Just like Christopher Nolan doesn't want anyone to see uh, um, Paprika. Thank you. Well, because he just lifted whole sequences from that. Yeah, even though there, for, even though there are like plenty of for Inception. Uh, oh, plenty of uh, Instagram posts where like it's movies side by side, and you know you see Perfect Blue and uh, Black Swan and Paprika and Inception all the time. So the uh, yeah, the folding. The folding city, the hallway scene—it's mm. inception is straight up. Yeah, absolutely. No arguments here. Although I haven't seen Paprika, but I know that it is better because Inception is garbage. All right, uh, we're also going to talk about some trailers this week. Uh, lots of big trailers dropped. There was a DC Fandom over the weekend, and along with the uh, horrible-looking rock vehicle black adam <laughs> that's coming out we also got uh the flash trailer or teaser definitely a teaser mm. uh featuring uh michael keaton's voiceover and a shot of the back of his head in the batman suit so what did you guys think of the flash trailer i mean you guys don't you guys aren't huge into the dc side of things i know no, no. <laughs> and you just you're so fucking plugged in like i bet you, you paid to be on that fandom live stream didn't you no 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 i mean i knew that fandom was happening and you, you hear about it in passing and when the trailers trailers started dropping you're, you you're know, honestly yeah. gonna sit here and tell me that winston didn't frantically text you and be like dude what no winston doesn't know anything winston doesn't <laughs> care about movies well, winston's favorite DC, movie is I... found kevin <laughs> yeah you forget how dubious his taste well, is I, at I best was... i mean He's not a Marvel guy? He's a Marvel guy, but to the extent that, like, my 12th graders are Marvel guys. Oh, like, they okay. like movies. They like, fun. that movie good. I like that movie. Or, you know, like, they're, they're morons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not, no offense to you guys who are genuine film fans and for some reason like Marvel movies. Oh, no, I don't I, get it, but, you know. Like, yeah. I was more worried about your portrayal of Winston. I was like, that's, that's, that's... No, that was my portrayal of my 12th graders. I mean, he does yeah. teach in Zachary, so it's... They're good kids. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the Flash trailer. What do you guys think of this? I mean, it, it looks like any other DC or Marvel thing. Um, I just, I don't. Turn, turn the lights down real mm. low. Yeah, like like when uh when uh Miller like introduces like here's the set and like you literally can't see anything. Um, 
the I I don't I don't have much to say about a teaser that shows us very little except that um, just once again DC is uh, it took too much time and they're going to release this movie right after Marvel does the same exact shit with the Spider-Man movie <laughs> like the multiple oh, timelines to sure. bring yeah. everyone bringing everyone in for multiple like film universes it's, it's uh that's that's just a bummer for uh, for timing for them for DC I agree yeah cuz it'll cause the flash to not do well I hope the flash does well I hope it does too cuz I think that the the multiple timelines thing even though it is a a thing that happened in the comics with Spider-Man as far as I know it makes way more sense in the universe of the flash being that he can move so quickly, you know. <laughs> this is, uh, I, I assume this is coming from the, the Flashpoint miniseries. Sure. Mm. That led to the whole um, New 52 reboot that DC did probably like five or six years ago. Um, I assume that's what they're doing here. And uh, that's fine. It's a weird and complicated story to, to tackle in a movie, I think. I'm sure they'll dumb it down. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there will be a lot of convenient the, plot points. I've also read the Spider-Man multiple universes and timelines. Mm-hmm. Mm. These things are fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any kind of. Uh, I don't read any of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't really. I just. I remember watching the cartoon of Spider-Man when I was a kid, and they did that. The whole mm. multiple timelines, multiple Spider-Mans thing at the end of the series. And, uh, so, but, uh, so I know it happens in that storyline, mm. but, uh, I just mean that the flash, you know, it makes sense that like in Spider-Man, it was like, you know, there's some like Dormammu or something opens a portal, you know, or something, but like in, in the flash, it makes sense just because the flash is able to move it. What we assume would be like light speed or something. I don't mm. know, but really quickly. So he could possibly fuck with time and time space. And I just been, I just finished a, a brief history of time. By uh, Stephen Hawking. Oh, nice. So, uh, I'm. Uh, did you log I, it? I've been thinking reads? a lot about. Yeah, I did. Okay, good, good. Yeah, good. it was. It was really. It was really, really interesting. Uh, it's blowing my mind for the last week or so. So, but because uh, I'm because I was getting ready to read the three body problem, which I started oh, yeah. yesterday. So, <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, I think the fly. I, I'm I'm more excited than anything just to see Michael Keaton as Batman again. Mm. I, I'm psyched for that, and I really would. I would like to see a standalone third film of Michael Keaton's Batman in the style, maybe, of Tim Burton. Not, I don't want Tim Burton directing it because mm. he is not the Tim Burton of 1992 Ooh. anymore. But you know, Returns is just so good. It's the, it's just a good Batman movie. I don't know. I'm really, ex- I'm, I'm jazzed to see him. Yeah. I don't like Michael Keaton. I'm always rooting for him. You know, yeah. he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, how about the uh, Scream trailer? That's the other sort of uh, big one that dropped. That's, well, I guess, well, I don't know. I mean, Batman, I guess, dropped in DC. So I guess we should talk about the Batman first, right? I mean, yeah. Since that's better. It makes more sense to go from Flash to Batman. How would you guys think of the the second Batman trailer dropped uh, also at DC Fandome? Mm. This, of course, starring our Pats. Yep. And uh, Colin Farrell, who is unrecognizable except for one shot in the trailer. Mm. Did you guys see his face in that trailer? When he turns around after he yeah, says, I yeah. got you, and he turns around. 
and you could totally see it's like it's Colin Farrell, yeah, but yeah. you can never tell until then. <laughs> it's so crazy. That makeup is insane. Yeah. What did you guys think of uh, the Batman the second trailer? I am so excited for this. Like, I keep, I don't, I don't know what it's actually going to be when it's available to the public, but like, I keep seeing things about like it's an almost three-hour detective noir film, which like I'm into. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you won't do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, Winter Soldier we'll just... is not. The three days of Condor spy movie. <laughs> well, I'm hope hopefully you know we'll you know we'll you know. I guess it might we'll be wait close to three hours to though. get the director's cut. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited and uh, I I was uh, I was interested to see like what uh, what direction they were gonna go with the penguin because like, um, I know John, you like uh returns quite a lot but i think the, like, mm-hmm. there was definitely some goofiness with uh, the penguin in that and like in the animated series he's a very like uh, erudite um you know gentleman sort of sure. um so i i was wondering if they were going to go in that direction but like no apparently he's like just like uh like they are really really leaning into like uh, it's like James Cagney in the public. Yeah, enemy. exactly. It's it's very. He's just like a goofy gangster yeah. from the '30s. <laughs> yeah, and a, like goofy gangsters that have like goofy names, but like they're you know, like like Babyface Nelson, you know, like uh, oh yeah, he just robbed banks and killed people. Yeah, it's just Babyface. Uh, but yeah, like uh, well, and also like it reminds me sort of of the um, like the Dick Tracy villains, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I guess are kind of pl- plays on those real life gangsters yeah. that have those kinds of names, Pretty Boy Floyd. But yeah. you know, and um, Dick Tracy would be like Flat Top Tony or whatever. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Or, but or uh, a Looney Tunes, uh, like, <laughs> uh, like, uh, be- or the planes take off off of his head. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that in Looney? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and there's another like uh, Batman, but the guy's like a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty yeah. good i don't know i'm ja- i'm really i'm really psyched for it too i mean yeah i don't i like i told my students i showed my i showed the trailer to my students and i said this trailer's so good and i'm so excited and i know the movie's going to be horrible but the trailer is just so good and it's like because i because i just you know it's like there's no way like it's a batman movie yeah like it's not going to be amazing like for me, any I mean, it's just not my. It's just like not. There's no way it could be like amazing, but I think it'll be entertain. I hope it'll be entertaining. The trailer is very entertaining. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be Mask of the Phantasm, but you know, like <laughs> yeah. j- just I mean, this just, little I, bit. I, I feel I like don't... it's going to be better than uh, Nolan's trilogy. And I know, like, plenty of internet people so. are like waiting outside with sniper rifles for me right now, but no. I just hope that they. I mean, it, look, it, it certainly looks nice, and I mean, a lot of people have been talking about uh, Craig Fraser's or Greg Fraser's photography, and it, and I mean, I think it does look really, really good. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm excited to I'm excited to see it. Jr., are you psyched? A little less psyched. I like. I think the trailer is a good trailer. Um, I but it's hard for me to look at that trailer and not think 
this is going to be 165 minutes of just like so dark and serious. And I'm probably going to leave the theater uh, next year being like, wish we had more of Colin Farrell because it looks like he's the only person that like was you know, having fun mm. based on the little glimpses. Mm. Uh, mm. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Um, but like the the look that they give uh, our cats is uh, Bruce Wayne. Like they went they went like full My Chemical Romance on that look, and I'm I'm not loving that. Um, it's just like again, just shows me like we're we're trying to be very gloomy here. Mm. Yeah, Hoping that's a gloomy story. I mean. Batman is a gloomy character. Yes, I know. Batman's very dark, and Batman's a detective, and he only works at night. He has a gruff voice, and he's so serious. I okay, know. okay. <laughs> that being look, 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 but seriously, what what Matt Reeves has said, which I thought was really weird, is that he said that um, you know, I he goes, I've always wanted to see Batman like in a grounded reality, right? And I'm like, okay. And I get that 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 that's sort of what they're going for because of like the like just based on like the fact that he's driving like an actual vehicle and like even though the vehicle still spurts fire and stuff, but and then he's got like the the stuff on his arm and everything you know like the his his outfit looks more like like a like a legit like commando outfit or something it just has a mask on it, and it's um but then I'm like and then I think back. This is the exact same thing Nolan said in 05 when yes. he made Batman. He's like, I want to see it grounded in a reality, and it's not grounded at all. And, and this then one, he had a then he had a train full of weird magic drug to go in the water supply. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, but I've also do, heard but Reeves I mean, talk about sorry. like he was he's more influenced by genre films. So mm. like I like than his own dick, like Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> He's out Nolan hating me here, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, like jeez. Like... <laughs> I mean, I, uh, the, the the first the first trailer certainly looked like uh, more like um, you got more of a sense that he was like the detective of the cartoon almost. Mm. You know, like in the cartoon, he does a, a shitload of detective work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's less about him just brute force kicking ass. You know, yeah. and I and I hope that it's more of that. Like I hope the that it's him finding the riddler like trying to track him down and there's all this other stuff maybe happening on the mm. in the periphery of that cuz uh I like the idea of him being a detective and him using his mind to figure things out as opposed to just you know beating the shit out of right. people like in like in the in Batman Begins he literally just like hangs a guy upside down over like a balcony and questions him you know like that's how he gets his information it's just, it's vastly more interesting to see him actually figure something out you yeah. know I'd be way more interested in that, but we'll just have to see. Yeah. This yeah, the cartoon came out when we were kids in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of aging things from the nineties, yeah, uh. <laughs> that's good. That's good. He wants to get right into Scream. So our uh, last trailer we're going to talk about is Scream Five. Oh no, sorry, we guys going to talk about one more after that. But Scream Five anyway mm-hmm. is uh, coming out. It's not called Scream Five though. It's just called Scream, which is going to be confusing to future generations. Right. Love it when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you? Uh, it's uh, starring all the original people, and it's directed by the guys who did Ready or Not, I think. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah, because Wes Craven they've has got, passed. They've got a weird name. Like, uh, like they go by some collect, like robot. Oh, really? Oh, that's mm. so gross. Is that well, true? No, I mean, like, th- like, in Ready or Not, they're credited with like their two names, but they've, oh, got, okay. they've got like a thing. 
I see. Sorry. Um, I, I like Ready that. or Not a lot. I, I did not love, it. did not love this trailer very much, and I saw it um, saw it at the uh, before the last duel, um, and that was the day after I saw Halloween Kills, and I know or I probably am going to talk just a little bit about Halloween Kills a little bit. The uh, the screen main characters kind of like deciding they want to do like some vigilante. Monty Justice on the Scream Killer gave me Halloween Kills vibes. Um, I didn't like that. Mm. I don't know that I got that. Was that in the trailer? I mean, they talk about like hunting him down in the trailer? I mean, David Arquette is walking I mean, down, a, down a corridor and dropping yeah, bullet casings on the ground, so... David Arquette always has a gun and is always walking down a corridor in every single one of these films, except for the first one. Oh. <laughs> it definitely seemed like they were like prepping to go kill this kid. Like a Dream Warriors uh, type thing. Nightmare on Elm Street mm. uh, 3 or 4. I forget which one it is. I think that's 4. Any, anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I could see that. I, 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 too, am underwhelmed by this trailer. I hate the sort of direct callback in the opening to the opening of one. Like this idea that they're calling this girl who is you know, at her house making popcorn or whatever the fuck's happening. Mm. Uh, I, I, I hate that concept, but I love using like the Wi-Fi locks. I like yeah, that. Um, I hate the texting. That's sure. Yes. Yeah. Like all of the, everyone's houses being like, sure. Like, smart things that can be hacked. Of course. Uh, is very frightening to me. Mm. Yeah. I've got, I've got one door. on the Wi-Fi lock. Uh, Don't tell so, them that. Yeah. Our fans will come break That's in, right. bud, and watch out now. You talk shit about <laughs> Nolan, it's on now. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, I, I loved... Um, yeah, I like that, too. That 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 fear of mine being exploded. Mm. Sure. It's 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 a good idea. I um, And I there was one shot in the film, in the trailer, that I really thought was striking and, like, kind of cool... I don't even know how to describe why it's interesting to me, but just like the, there, it's like a mon, you know, it's like a montage of uh, of you know, him killing people and stuff. And there's that shot of his shadow, like the killer's shadow on the wall, like projected on the wall, really large, and he's got like his arms out. I just, I don't know why. I thought it was like a really cool mm. visual, and it just like adds this strange sort of aura of mystery to you know something that's already quite mysterious. And I like the uh, the one shot of him breaking the guy's leg by stomping on it. Mm. I want to see that. <laughs> I just want to. It just needs to be brutal. Like I, the third film w- went so far in the PG thirteen direction. It's still an R rated film, but it went so far in the PG thirteen direction that I feel like they're still trying to recover from that. And then four was, um, appropriately violent, but uh, four was well. I mean. And it had all the same people the in it. Series. Oh, the series is a reboot. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It has a different mask, even. But uh, the yeah, I mean, four was solid. Four is as good as the first one, I think. I mean, it's really, it's sure. not bad. But um, I've only ever seen the first one. So same. Like, oh yeah. Catching up with these over the next few weeks. Yeah, you got to power through them. Two and three are awful. So get ready. <laughs> 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 three is especially bad. Anyway, um. Three is the first one I think that doesn't have Kevin Williamson writing it, 
so it's like really trash. Mm. But Seven Williamson back? Is he, alive? he is he alive? I think he's alive. I don't know. Is this, I don't. Know. Oh, oh yeah, he's alive. Wes Craven's yeah. Well, this guy's younger than Wes Craven. He's born in '65. Um, yeah, he's a lot. He didn't. He didn't write this script though. James Vanderbilt wrote this script. The guy who did Z- uh, Zodiac, mm, okay. actually. So, not I'm bad. into that. Okay. He also wrote. Uh, <laughs> he also wrote Independence Day Resurgence, though, yeah. uh, and Amazing Spider-Man Two. Well, and we hop back off <laughs> and the rundown. Yeah, he's written mostly trash Aww. except for Zodiac and base. I like Basic. He wrote Basic. Oh, the uh, McTiernan. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is okay. Yeah. Know. Anyway, um, so yeah. All right. Well, the last uh, film we need to talk about um, is the Spine of Night. Mm. <laughs> now, the Spine of Night. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It was, yeah. uh, what was it, at Fantastic Fest or uh, I have no idea. the Austin one or what? Some, what some film festival. I think and, that is Fantastic Fest. Yeah, if some, whatever. And it, it's at some film festival and it made some waves, I guess, and people some people liked it. And it is a rotoscoped fantasy horror, maybe? I don't know. I mean, well, horror Mainly elements. fantasy <laughs> film. Yeah, horror yeah. elements, dark it's fantasy. Trippy. Yeah, it looks really trippy, you know, the uh very violent and uh in the in the in the sort of tradition of classic 80s heavy metal Frank Frazetta Bakshi uh fire and ice but way more violent yeah. that kind of thing, I guess. Um so yeah, what do you guys think of the spine of night? So either. <laughs> it's coming out next weekend. Oh, nice. Uh like my um, like one one of the things that I remember thinking about uh the soundtrack for uh, Good Time, like hearing the synths in the movie, it's like, yeah, like when you think of a synth soundtrack, like this is what I hear in my head. Like it was that good. Now, like for Spine of Night, like thinking back on the Bakshi movies that I've seen, it's like. Oh yeah, like this is what, like this is what I built up in my memory as being so good. But like I go back and see the Bakshi stuff, and it's like, eh, it's not all that good. But this is like really fucking good. So, hmm. I want to see. I've never seen Fire and Ice, so I really want to watch it. Yeah. And uh, just to just to, to have a background of the influence, and uh, I also want to see Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. I haven't seen that oh, yet yeah. either. So uh but yeah, I I'm I'm psyched for this movie. Mm. But mainly because of the short film. Right? Mm. So uh, Exordium was the film that the director made before this which sort of spawned yeah. this. And it's taking place in the same universe and everything. It's about the same thing, essentially. The uh, those blue flowers, the bloom, as he calls yeah. it. And um, like when I saw this trailer, I was like, the, you know, the trailer looks looks good, but I wonder like how this actually, you know, like I want to see it. So I was like, I bet the guy has made this kind of shit before. So I looked it up, and he made those sh- the couple of short films, mm-hmm. and I watched them. And the Exordium one really struck me as being quite good. Uh, and very much like, um, like a, the way that it resolves itself 
in this ironic way, mm. you know, like he goes in to get this item and then he realizes and he kills the guardian to get the item and he realizes the guardian he needs to be the guardian because nobody should touch the item. <laughs> Amazing. Like such a great circular, perfectly, mm. you know, all wrapped up quickly. Uh, it just yeah, reminded me. Huh? So the guardian fucking told exactly. Yeah. It just it reminded me so much of a the greatest short uh, comics from heavy metal, like the ones that are really good, mm. you know. Um, and I, yeah, I just want to see more of that, and I'm excited. I hope that it's. I hope the movie's half as good as the right. short. Honestly, my I could see a world in which uh, over the course of ninety five to a hundred minutes. This could get your field tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that is not the case. Mm. It looks awesome. Yeah, and it looks to be more of a. I think they said like it's an anthology film, so it's not like one linear story. Was that I right? think so. It definitely seems that way from the trailer. Like, um, it's 93 minutes. Oh, perfect. But you have yeah. you have to imagine yeah, that 95. Seven of those minutes are trailer. I mean, uh, not trailers. Uh, credits. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's got so uh, Richard E. Grant doing a mm. voice, Lucy Lawless, and uh, Patton Oswalt and Joe Manganiello and Larry Fessenden. So it's kind yeah. of a cool cast. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. Jazzed, yeah, I'm really you know? looking forward to this. There's something about rotoscope that's just like. Okay, like not to get into memories, but like I'm watching memories, and I'm like, the f- especially obviously for the first two segments, the animation is so insanely good in memories. Like the drawings are so detailed. There's so much shit going on in every frame, and I'm like, this looks amazing. And then I think of, and then I rewatched uh, Exordium, and I'm like, Exordium does not look as good, obviously, but. There's something about the smoothness of the motion of the rotoscoping that makes it amazing, like on par. Like I'm, I like it just as much, mm. just for different reasons. You yeah. Know? Well, like I, I think it's kind of along the lines, like in uh, David Byrne's book, How Music Works. Like he talks about how, like, like vinyl, like physically, like can't you know sound better from like a you know like numbers standpoint like it just can't physically mm-hmm. reproduce certain frequencies etc cetera, etc cetera. but because it's a physical medium it's a more pleasurable listen so i think like it's kind of a similar thing with rotoscoping yeah that's fair i mean there's definitely something more i mean even taking that a step farther like i watched the trailer to fire and ice mm. uh earlier and that looks, that's like the ultimate. That looks better to me, obviously, than even Exordium because that's hand-drawn and there's shading and things like this that don't exist in in, uh, in what this guy Morgan Galen King is doing, which I was I thought was interesting, too, that in the trailer, like you'll notice there's no shadows in the trailer. I mean, there's shadows. He messes with the idea of light a few times, mm. and uh, but there's no like shading on the characters in general. It's just like sort of bare-bones you know, like he colored them and that was enough, you know, <laughs> which I, I I think if he went a step further, I don't know if it would detract from it or make it even better. I'm not sure, but I just, I'm really excited. I, I, I've always liked rotoscope the way it mm. looks. And, uh, I almost rewatch waking life. I'm not going to lie, but that's, 
only relatable through the rotoscoping, so nothing to do with right. it. So, <laughs> anyway, also uh, I wanted to say that I did watch the trailer for the new Michael Bay film Ambulance, and as much as he can possibly be back, Bay might be back. Wow. Okay. I don't like Bay. I never have really. I mean, I used to like The Rock when I was a kid, but like this looks like that kind of movie. Like it looks real, if that makes sense. As opposed to some of the other stuff that he does, it looks very goofy and sort of CG heavy and stuff. This is just like your uh, a regular thriller action movie about a couple of bank robbers in the back of an ambulance on the run from the cops. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, might be all right. It's got the guy from Candyman in it, so. Uh-huh. I literally had no idea Michael Bay was doing anything, so. I didn't either. I just, it, the trailer just dropped like two hours oh, ago, okay. and I just saw it on YouTube, and I went ahead and watched it. Cool. Anyway, let's get into what we watched. Um, oh, sorry. Well, one more thing. One little news item. We don't have to talk about it, but just just good to know. Matrix Resurrections, rated R. Oh, so we're all good. Okay? I don't want you guys to worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, who wants to start with what we watched? I'll start. I'll start. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. We're going in. Going into World of Bond here. <laughs> oh, uh, so I rewatched uh, Casino Royale because I remember okay. it as being good. I wanted to rewatch that before No Time to Die. Just like to have like a good Bond taste in my mouth. Okay. Um, and Oxygen Royale is better than I remember. It is a weird Bond movie, and there's a lot of poker playing. And after the beginning, there's not a lot of action. Uh, and it's just, it's really cool. Um, I was very happy with it. That it's beginning like action, that beginning action is good, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, super it's, good. It's great. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. The parkour. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know... And it, you know, a- Ava Green is stunning. Eva. Oh, sorry. No, I think it's I think it's stupid too, but that's how she says it. So <laughs> she's, she's, <laughs> uh, she's stunning, uh, and her character just one hundred percent totally ruined the rest of the, the Craig Bond era. Like not anything she does in that movie, but like you know, she dies at the end. Uh, after they think they're going to go off and be happy, and she dies in such a way that, you know, Daniel Craig or Bond no longer like, trusts her. He thinks he's been fooled. And then, of course, he learns in the next movie that, whatever, she didn't exactly betray him. She wasn't evil, blah, blah, blah. But, like, the rest of the Craig era is, like, all about his trust issues because of this, and his broken past, and constantly looking backwards, and constantly referencing Vesper and his love for Vesper and uh, it just makes the other movies so serious and that quality of like always looking back um, is so annoying because the relationships in these Bond movies are so underdeveloped and hollow. It's just silly. Like it makes them silly. Like these movies are trying so hard to be serious that they are silly. And uh, like Spectre is like a you know, I rewatched that one also because I, I knew No Time to Die comes like follows directly from Spectre. And 
just the, like the Christoph Waltz, like he's like his long lost like brother. Uh, apparently, Christoph Waltz's dad took him in to bond in when uh, after Bond's parents died, and just like tying everything to Bond's past is so tired. In and silly. Um, I say that doesn't really start until Skyfall, though. Well, but Quantum of Solace is all about him, like. That's about him and revenge for about her, Vesper, Vesper but not about not about yeah. his childhood and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right about that, but it's still like Formosalis since it comes from Vesper. It's still I remember it as being very serious. I didn't rewatch that one. Oh, it's serious. That's week. what I like about it. It's serious, and it has zero reference to any past Bond film that's not Daniel Craig related. Oh, okay. which is amazing. Like. <laughs> As does sure. Casino Royale. So Casino Royale has very few uh, sort of wink, winky, winky references mm. oh, to the no, earlier film. It's full, full no. of winks. Like, no, there's give me, no. Give me a martini, shaking or stirred. Do I look like I give a damn? Oh. Like that's. I mean, that's okay. Okay, that's coming. I'm gonna sound retarded here, but that's coming <laughs> yeah, from the. That, that, <laughs> that's coming from the 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 point of view of like it's the first film in the new yes. reboot, right? Look, they have to they have to acknowledge it a little bit, okay? But I'm saying it. Skyfall is ridiculous. Like oh, Skyfall yes. is absolutely yeah. absurd, and the fact that they reintroduce the stupid, uh, geeky nerd guy who gives him inventions, it's that was like the worst thing about Bond. And they reintroduced they like they'd gotten away from it for two films. It was amazing, and then they yeah. all of a sudden have to reintroduce it. It's horrible. Oh, tell tell me this is uh, is Jeffrey Wright in Quantum of Solace? He pro- he's probably in it for like five minutes. Yeah, he okay. probably has a scene in it. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I can look it up. He's so like it, he's Felix he's Leiter at the poker table. Yeah, mm. Felix Leiter's at the poker table in Casino yeah. Royale, and they share like a moment where he like tells Bond that he's CIA and he's gonna stake him, whatever. Um, so yeah. Like the whole looking backwards ruined the series. Uh, just after sort of like the complicated but like not too ridiculous sort of like finance shenanigans, uh, financing terrorism thing that Matt Mickelson is doing in the first movie, uh, Exit Royale. Like the the villains get like progressively more ridiculous, but also like they're, they're just boring to me. Um, they just feel lazy, and that. That stuff does not change in No Time to Die. Uh, this is still like all about his past relationships. He like has this ins- this insane sequence with Jeffrey Wright's Felix Leiter, uh, and he spends the movie very angry about what happens to Felix Leiter. And I was like, did I miss this whole like spinoff movie where Felix Leiter was? <laughs> yeah. Because I do not remember that. Yeah, uh, that doesn't exist. And and again, it's we're still dealing a lot with Vesper here. Um, he thinks at the beginning of the movie that he's betrayed by Madeline Swan, Le- Lea Seydoux, and so of course he's got more trust issues going forward, and that's all just hogwash. And then we've got, uh, you know, Christoph Waltz was the leader of Spectre, right, in the last movie. Um, how do we up the ante from that? Uh, we get a villain in Rami Malek, who is also an enemy of Spectre, and he decides to take out all of Spectre. But then he's got like his other world domination plan. Uh, and Robbie Malik is not able to to elevate this kind of just really boring thing. I don't in Robbie Malik, I don't hate him as much as you, Kevin, but I don't <laughs> like him. Uh, yeah. It just it doesn't work. 
but... he is uh Jeffrey Wright is only in uh Casino Rail and Quantum of Solace and this new one. He's not so in, he's in Quantum of Solace. He's not in Skyfall or oh, Spectre right. apparently. I, I can't remember him in Quantum of Solace. I'll I'll rewatch that soon. Yeah. I remember Robin liking Robert. Quantum of Solace as much, if not more, than Royale, mm. but I mean that's just me. They're both four out of fives for me. So where this movie works and parts of it really do work for me is uh this movie works when it is not looking into the past. Uh, we get like a, a really awesome character uh, played by Ana de Armas. She's only in one sequence. Uh, basically, Bond goes to Cuba and meets up with her CIA operative, who's like a new recruit, and she's very funny. It's like the most lighthearted scene in any Bond movie in the past twenty years, and it's like she's awesome. She kicks, she kicks ass. Uh, I was very sad when she exited the movie and did not come back. Um, and then, like, the, the, the replacement 007 with Shauna Lynch. She doesn't get a ton to do, but her chemistry with Craig is, is quite good. She's very frustrated that Craig has returned uh, and is, you know, working missions with uh, MI6. Mm-hmm. MI6. Whatever. Okay. Um, that stuff works. And uh, also, there are some vehicular scenes here that are, are just better than any others in uh, recent Bond movies. There's a, uh, a Toyota Land Cruiser versus uh, Range Rover Defender battle. <gasps> Off road vehicles really, really go really, uh, really worked for me. You know, just just slamming through a forest in Norway. This guy Off-road. loves it because he he lives in an outdoorsman yeah. paradise now. Oh, he yeah. lives in Colorado, so every all the outdoors shit he <laughs> loves. I have a, dude, I've got a, I've got an off road capable vehicle. <laughs> camping, it's great. Um, anyway, that that should work. Like the the scene in Italy that it, like, a lot of the trailer comes from, where like he uh, goes up the like the wall on a motorcycle, and mm-hmm. catches uh, some sick air. Like that <laughs> that that scene is really cool as well. But yeah, whatever this. This is a Bond movie of the Craig era, and it's way too serious. And um, people hate the ending. You guys have probably already read what happens at the end. I won't say so here, but what happens? Uh, the people who are mad at the end are like, what, "What the fuck are you mad at?" It's like this is such an appropriate ending for this dour, self-serious era of Bond that, like, where, where all the movies are connected. This is the only way it could end. Um, I'll say the ending if you haven't seen it. Uh, fast forward 10 seconds or whatever. Uh, Kevin Bond dies. Uh, okay. He sacrifices himself to save his uh, family. Family. Yawn. Because he realizes he has a time. Um, <laughs> so boring. Oh, yeah. But, of, like, of course, Dale Craig is like, the only way I'm coming back is if he literally dies, so I can't come back again. <laughs> cool. It's anyway, going to be people messy. Are, people are mad at that ending, and it's, it's stupid. I, I would say it will be. It's going to be weird to deal with because I don't think Bond has died before. No, he has not died before. So it's going to be strange but to deal. Not, not that they have to. No, not that there has to be necessary continuity. But I mean, like there is continuity between all of the franchises because all like there are side characters who are played by the same actors. So it's bizarre that they're going to have the character yeah. die. I mean, I think they'll do a full a, re- a full reset, and they should yeah. do a full reset. Like they should get rid of Ray Fiennes. Um, Money Penny has been useless. Anyway. Yeah, like 
her character mattered in Skyfall and then never again. So yeah, just do, do she's a really reset, pretty, start though. over. She yes, she is. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, but well, they're probably going to do a do a full reset to a TV show because Amazon bought it, so now it's going to be like a. Uh, oh no, they won't. That's ridiculous. It's just going to be like a John Cusack <laughs> show. No. <laughs> That's their big. I mean, that's they bought it. Mm. That's their big cash cow to for, to put in theaters because yeah. all their other movies are art films. Amazon doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. And without remorse. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Without remorse. Is that not an art film? Either garbage or uh, well, I mean, yeah, I probably thought yeah. it was. Stefano Salima thought that was an art <laughs> film when he made it. It's like this is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, done with Bond. I gave it a three out of five. It's much better. Inspector. Um. And probably not as good as any of the other Interesting. I almost saw it uh, last Sunday. I thought about it, and then I realized, I have a free day. Why don't I just go down to New Orleans and see Titan instead? Mm. So that's what I did. But I would have seen it other, otherwise. So talk, talk yeah. Titan. Oh, you want me to talk ahead. Titan? Titan is uh, a film. <laughs> that's good, kid. Uh, it's a film by Julia Ducournau. Decorneau or Decorneau, I don't know. She's French. Uh, it's a French film. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, just another in the long line of French faux surreal, um, goofy sort of uh, wannabe Lynch. <laughs> I don't even know. How. I mean, it's, just, it's so, this kind of ab- overly abrasive, full of violence and nudity, weird medical trauma uh rapes things like that i mean this is it's just so boring at this point like i'm just so tired of i I wish there was something to this movie and maybe there's some underlying theme that i'm not understanding or something but or maybe it's you know something that's lost in the cultural translation but this movie just does not work for me at all in any Mm -hmm. way and uh it's about a female named Alexia who uh, gets into a car accident when she's a child and has to have a titanium plate put in her head which is where comes from that's how you say titanium in French mm. apparently and uh huh it's a Pete and Pete okay and titanium plate sure I don't I haven't seen Pete and Pete in 30 years <laughs> but okay uh, <laughs> um so anyway, she has this metal plate in her head. Flash, flash forward. This happens when she's like twelve. Flash forward to uh, fast, fast forward, flash forward, whatever. To uh, when she's about, I don't know, twenty five, thirty. She's a dancer at an underground club where all the girls dance on top of cars and everything's neon. And she doesn't strip, but she just dances in like a scantily clad outfit and twerks and stuff. And uh, <laughs> she like leaves the club one night. And this guy harasses her, so she decides to kill him by stabbing her chopstick that she uses to put her hair up into his ear. And when she does this, he, like, vomits, you know, like, uh, like uh, seizure foam all over her. And so she has to go back inside and take a shower. And she does that, and then she comes back. Uh, she hears, like, a knocking on the locker room door, and she goes out into the dance hall, and there's one of the cars is, like, on. And it's got its headlights shining at her. And there's nobody around, and she gets into the car fully nude, and the car fucks her uh, with its hydraulic, you know, like, bounces up and down and 
she sits in the back seat and gets fucked. There's no, I mean, I don't know what's penetrating her. I don't, I don't know what's happening. She gets fucked mm. by the car. It's very obvious. And, um, and then she, <laughs> she gets impregnated by the car and the, she starts like bleeding oil from her vagina, but it's crude oil. Like it's black. Which is not what you put in cars, so I don't know if that's just like an oversight or if they're trying to say something. I don't know. Maybe it's more I th- visual. I on think film. it's yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just the, the visual, right? It doesn't make any sense, though. Really, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, she got fucked by a car and got impregnated. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it, you know, even in the logic right, of that, right. it doesn't make sense. But anyways, th- that doesn't really that bother me that much. Um, then the 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 plot just sort of like goes off the rails. I mean, <laughs> what rails? After she gets raped by the car and uh, <laughs> impregnated, <laughs> it really goes off the rails. No, she uh, she murders like four people inside of this apartment because she's like a serial killer, I guess. Now, I don't know. Uh... yeah, and then she goes on the run, and uh, the rest of the movie is her on the run. But how she goes on the run is that she decides to she decides to pretend to be a missing boy who's been missing for ten years. So she like wraps her tits down and her belly down, her pregnant belly, with like ace bandages, and then she breaks her nose and pretends to be this boy, and gets taken in by the father of the boy. And it's about the re- the movie is really about their relationship. And uh, boy, is it just not interesting at all. Mm. I mean, at least there was something going on until that happens. When that happens, then it's just like an hour of nothingness. Wow. And uh, it wasn't for me. I mean. I'm always really hesitant to be like super down on a movie like this because obviously it's being really well received and it won the Palm Door and stuff. So I, I sort of like am on the side of like I must be missing something, and that's why I'm, I'm interested to, to to hear Jr's thoughts on it because you know I feel like he'll watch it and maybe he sees something I didn't see or something. I don't know, but it's for me it just was like a total sort of lost cause. Didn't do anything for me. I'm just gonna fall in love with the prestige of the thing. Mm. <laughs> not the prestige i'm saying maybe there's something there that i'm missing that yeah. is worthy of the prestige you know it's like is actually good you know i don't know but I'll, i uh, i'll let you know tonight mm. okay the uh the performances are all decent uh for what they are and uh there are some really really interesting visuals most of which are in the trailer uh but you know and the girl who uh plays the main character is very attractive in the first 20 minutes before she gets all fat and blotchy and broken nose and everything, you know. <laughs> Prior to that, she looked great. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's Titan. And I haven't seen uh, Raw, but I'll tell you, this doesn't make me want to watch Raw. Mm. Uh, Raw sounds very different. There's not yeah. like a surrealism element. It's uh, Raw is effectively unsettling, even if I don't. Uh. Mm-hmm. It's it's gross. It involves some cannibalistic stuff. It's sure, I've uh, that's what stopped me from watching it in the past. Is that I just feel like you hear horror stories of like people like fainting during it and stuff, and it's like I don't I don't oh, know if I want to put myself through that. that. I don't. Yeah. Well, no, you're not going to faint. You're, I don't think I'm gonna. Oh. I don't want to be disturbed necessarily. Like, yeah, like I, it's it's October. <laughs> it's October. <laughs> for this true. stuff. That's like I thought I remembered in the trailer true. for uh, Titan, uh, they it, like at some point uh, one of the reviewers yes. <laughs> said <laughs> one one of the reviews said like so, you know used the word transgressive, and now like es- especially sure. 
I mean, th- this was only, you know, one brick in the wall for that. But, like, whenever, like, especially with Angel's Melancholy, anytime someone u- oh, yeah. uses the word transgressive to describe a film now, I'm going to be like, okay, no. <laughs> it's it's going to be this feel like nihilistic she's, bullshit, the thing you know, pseudo-artsy right. dumb fest. Spike Lee awarded this the Condor. Okay. <laughs> Spike Lee would not have a Was he on the jury or was he the presenter? <laughs> he was the president, the president of the president. jury. Well, so I think he was also probably the presenter. Uh, Honestly, though, that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> he is sort of like. I don't know. I could see him liking this. That makes sense because it's very bombastic and sort of like. Did um, you know that he liked it? colorful i'm just saying like it not my i was i hadn't thought about the fact that he was the one who awarded it the palm door um but anyway i mean it just reminds me of like a lot of other sort of like recent european stuff that i've seen like this i mean it's not it's not doing anything interesting to me and it reminded me like me of like uh like holy motors or something even though i know that's 10 years ago but it's like that it's like just surrealistic nonsense mm. that you know godard was doing 50 years ago it's just fucking Modern tired. Classic. Classic hmm. it's, it's one of the most celebrated movies of the century. Yeah, Old it's movies. trash. It's trash. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's Titan. So, uh, Kevin. Uh, so I um, I rewatched uh, Christine, John Carpenter's film, and uh, I was talking to. John Carpenter's best. Yeah, film. I, I was telling a friend of mine the other day. Like, it may it may be uh, controversial, but one hundred percent, I think it's his, it's probably his best film. Like, I mean, I, I know, I know, Hell yeah, I know you talk a lot about vampires, but I haven't seen it, so I do like yeah. vampires, but it's not it's not a great film. It's just very yeah. entertaining. And uh, I like uh, okay. So basically, Christine, you know, poor Arnie, nerd kid. Uh, gets picked on a lot uh, for some reason sees a car that's derelict and decides that he he needs to fix it up it's you know turns out to be an evil car and he turns into a dickhead and uh, etc um the thing the thing that i want to talk about the most in this movie and you'll probably agree john harry dean stanton he's only <laughs> in the movie for i don't know maybe like a total of like six minutes he is the best yeah. fucking thing about the entire movie. He is so natural and so <laughs> like he's just so good. He's definitely the best performance. I don't yeah. disagree there. I mean, I I, yeah. I really like the the scene where um I I still think it's it's funny to have a like a you know, the big uh bully of the film, you know, who pulls out a switchblade and his name is Buddy. Um, but the, the, the scene where Christine like chases him and his buddies down at the, uh, at the gas station and, you know, just, just totally wrecks his car, blows up the gas station, catches on fire and then is coming after him and runs over him while, while the car is still on fire. That is a fucking amazing sequence. Honestly, that's like, it's incredible. Like if anyone wanted to, if anyone asked me. Like what is what is the greatest scene in a car in Carpenter's uh, filmography? It's like that scene. Yeah, I think that's his greatest. Like the imagery mm-hmm. of the car on fire and chasing someone is like so. It's it's legitimately 
creepy and like scary and it's also amazing looking Absolutely. and yeah I, th- I agree i mean that scene yeah. is incredible and, and uh, his i really liked i really like christine i gotta rewatch it <laughs> yeah like, i i couldn't go quite into five territory like you did but i i still think it's a really mm-hmm. good movie I fully expect it to drop to a 4.5 on rewatch, but I do, I do love it. I, yeah. you know, I just think I don't, I'm not one of these people who thinks that Carpenter is like a great filmmaker. You know, I just, he's a very, he just makes really good, solid yeah. movies uh, for the most part. And then, you know, some sort of misses here and there, but yeah, I think Christine is definitely as close as the closest he's gotten uh, to maybe elevating i mean you know i mean people talk about halloween i don't know i haven't seen halloween in a while i've watched it a lot well i mean i I think you were the one it's definitely it's definitely between like that and halloween and and uh uh, the thing i suppose yeah i i gave the thing for two but i i think christine is better and like for for as silly as it is like i think uh big trouble in little china is actually like hmm like I, I think I'll have to watch that again because like the more the more I think about it, the more I think like oh yeah that's that's actually pretty good that's pretty cool it's a that's an interesting idea it's definitely fun yeah um, yeah but yeah I mean but like as far as slasher films go like Black Christmas is superior to Halloween in every way I don't I don't disagree yeah I I agree it is way better like, but you know not to take anything I mean Halloween's a good yeah. movie it's just it's a little bit maybe a little bit uh, over exposed at this point or something yeah for sure but anyways um jr yes well um i watched a total piece of shit i watched uh venom let there be carnage (laughs) um i absolutely hated this and it's i hated the first venom too i don't know why why i bothered but um woody harrelson plays uh carnage and naomi harris is uh Carnage's girlfriend, who also is a super being. She's got a high-pitched like, scream that busts people's mm. ears. Whatever. <laughs> this is like, a, it's like an example of actors really, really going for it uh, in service of material that just fucking sucks. And I don't... like Tom Hardy is like a, a creative person on these films. Like He is a producer. I uh, listen to Andy Serkis talk about... Uh, like, Tom Hardy is the one who like came and recruited him to direct this. Like he's making choices, he's making the choices, and these are bad choices. Mm. We're making really bad choices here. Uh, and, and like uh, cheap, shitty CGI is fine with me in a movie like this if there's something compelling going on, and there just isn't. Uh, only thing working in this movie's favor is, of course, the 85-minute runtime, which. Uh, is something I wish more superhero movies would adopt, but whatever. Um, waste of time. Uh, next thing I watched, I know John watched this as well, I watched uh, the new David Gordon Green movie, How It Kills, uh, on tour, David Gordon Green. <laughs> and uh, this is a sequel to um, the, the 2018 kind of Halloween sort of, I call it a sequel reboot. Call it a it, refresher. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know what he what they call it. I don't know. They reset the timeline so that nothing after Halloween, the first Halloween, ever happened. These are direct sequels to the first Halloween movie. Uh, I did listen to David Gordon talk about that earlier today. Um, 
this to me was a little less good than the, the previous one and it's less good because it just has like it has a really good idea in it and that idea is underdeveloped like this whole vigilante uh, justice thing and the way like this town like comes together and like, freaks out over what is happening it is like a cool idea i don't think it goes anywhere cool um and it ends in such a way that just like reminds me that this was planned as a trilogy and this was the middle chapter um that essentially acts as four it's like we got anthony michael hall coming in as michael doyle who's like leading the town on his charge to go kill Michael, and it just, it feels like it could have been so much better. It feels like a, a, a missed opportunity. Uh, but I think, John, that you felt different. No, I liked it. I uh, I like I certainly like it more than the, the first Gordon Green one. I, I did not like the Gordon Green one. Um, I think we're actually opposite in our ratings there. I think I gave the Gordon the first Gordon Green one two and a half, and this one three and a half. What'd you give I, the first one? Uh, just a three. Oh, so okay. Well, so I like this one more than you like both of them. <laughs> uh, uh, I just thought it was like really entertaining and really violent and appropriately violent. And uh, like, I love the kills. I mean, I, this is a slasher movie. Yeah, this is a slasher movie. I care about the kills. I don't really give that much of a fuck about anything else that's going on as far as like character development or like uh, who these people are. I like the idea that they're all characters from the original film. I think that's an interesting idea. I was on the fence about retconning certain things in the first film, like the idea that this, uh, that Will Patton's character was, you know, there and like shot his partner and all that stuff. But I I think all of it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Cummings. Yeah. I think all of that shit worked really well, and I really like to see Loomis, even though, you know, I, I thought they did a great job recreating Loomis for that split second, and I like the, uh, I liked Will Patton's, if there was a character that I cared about, it was Will Patton's sort of, like, struggle with that guilt and the idea that he's, like, when he said to Jamie Lee Curtis's character, uh, like, Michael Myers needs to die and I'm going to be the one who kills him. And I was like, well, that's really, that's, uh, you know, that got me like revved up. I'm like, all right, let's go fucking kill him. And then he doesn't. Revved up for the next movie. <laughs> exactly. Well, but it's like, but it's like, well, and now I'm anticipating the next film. So it worked. I mean, like, and I fully expect the final film to be as bad, if not worse, than the first one. Cause I feel like this is, uh, like the empire of this trilogy. <laughs> like, this is a good, like, it is all connective tissue. But it's way, it's, I don't know, for me, it's way more interesting than, like, the, like, the, all the stuff with the, like, the weirdo doctor in the first one who wanted to be Michael Myers, like, none of that shit did anything for me. I yeah. hated all that. That's, that stuff is silly. Uh, I guess, for, for me, like, I agree that, like, that, uh, the character shit, like, it shouldn't matter in Slasher, mm-hmm. but this... I just feel like they they tried to make it matter. In, I agree with that. Slasher, yeah, they sure which did. Makes like it's it's a it is a genre built on like mounting repetition that can go on for an infinite amount of movies, and like no like no slasher movie should ever feel like a middle chapter to me. And like this one had a, a narrative that was all filler. Sure, with, I admit some good kills, and and I did like hearing uh, 
So this is, this is David Golden Green on the Big Picture uh, podcast, the podcast, the movie podcast, mm-hmm. and he was just like talking like um, he does not take credit for the kills. He really likes uh, trying to come up with inventive kills. He said he's not nearly as good at it as um, oh my god, Danny McBride. <laughs> Thank you, Danny McBride, and uh, the other co-writer for this one. Uh, he had, they had the third writer on this one is different than the third writer. Um, Interesting. But anyway, he said uh, he said that was intentional as well. Sure. He's like he just really enjoyed like thinking. All right, has there ever been a horror movie where someone just got stabbed really bad in the arm? Please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun way to come up with this. It's uh, good. That, that kill was fun. Like yeah, a lot of, of the, the violence works. I like uh, also the. The door, the car door. Is that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, oh, where she shoots herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was amazing. I, I like. Uh, no, I mean I, the the kill that the armpit kill and the subsequent, uh, you know, stabbing his thumb through his eyes. That was probably my favorite part of the whole movie, to be honest. But, but I also like. I, I, t- I feel like I like the thing that a lot of people are disliking about it, which is that Laurie Strode isn't in it very much. Like she's in the hospital. And like I don't have a problem with that. Like I kind of like just like you know, I yeah. I mean she's she's not, and I think that's part of the issue with the first one is that the first one was really focused on like her and her family and like I just don't know how much I give a shit. Like I I wish it was just kind of all divorced from the original film more than anything. Like I don't need it to be a sequel so much as I just want to see Michael Myers murdering people. You know, and I love the idea that he kills the fireman. I mean, I talked about that in the trailer. I think it looks. I think that was a good sequence. Uh, it was really interesting to see, and uh, and I really liked the way that it ended with uh, the sort of revelation of. It's not even a revelation. That's what's interesting about it. It's just a theory that Laurie Strode has about Michael Myers and why he can't be killed. That he's you know gaining power through killing. But it's not like a legit. She's not saying it like it's a scientific thing. Like she's gaining power by each kill. It's like she's just saying it like almost like poetically over this event that's happening. And I just loved. It. I was like, that's such a good way to put it. Like you don't have to explain it any more than that. I don't give a fuck why he can't die. That is good enough. You know, like we don't have yeah. to. Because that's what the problem with the original sequels that they had was that they went so far trying to explain what was going on. Like he's part of a cult, and there's you know the the runes and the constellations and all this kind of shit. I mean, it's just like, there's no reason for any of that. Like he's just a force of nature and he's uh, a threat and you want to kill him, but he can't be killed. It's very, that's a scary idea. So, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, this movie was not scary at all, but it was certainly jumpy at parts, but I don't know. I liked, I liked a lot of the, uh, I liked a lot of it. I mean, there are parts of it. It's not a five or anything, you know I mean? There's, I thought uh, Anthony Michael Hall was horrible <laughs> in it. Uh, I thought a lot of the acting was really, really bad, actually. No, oh, he's he's he was terrible. Be a big group. Everyone divide into little small groups. <laughs> yeah. All the uh, the evil dies tonight chanting and all that kind of. It's just really, really stupid and goofy. And uh, but then I'm but then I'm you know you give this kind of movie a break because it's just what kind of movie it is. It's not like it's you know if that like if that kind of thing was happening. In Christopher Nolan's Batman, I take that, you know, that that's going to take a harder hit from me because Christopher Nolan is treating Batman like it's some kind of fucking, you know, Oscar bait. 
You know, it's like Gavin Moore Green's not saying this movie should be up for awards. As far as I know, he's making a slasher no. movie. You know, so he's, I appreciate he's that. Just having fun. Yeah, I, I love that. I appreciate that. That's wonderful. You know, but anyway, three and a half, man. Solid, solid picture. I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Well, I uh, I watched um, Old Henry, which we talked about. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I think I texted mm. you guys the trailer for it right after the last podcast. Or I think the one before. Directed by, oh, sure. Directed by Pazzi Poncioroli. This guy's got a weird name. He must mm. be Italian. I don't know. He hasn't really directed much. But um, it stars Tim Blake Nelson as Henry uh, and uh, Stephen Dorff as the villain and Scott Hayes who uh, I only know because he was in Child of God, Franco's Child of God movie. Um, Scott Hayes is in this as the wounded stranger who Henry must take care of. Got a little bit of a straw dogs thing going on here. Uh, Where Henry has to take in this man who's been shot in the upper, like in the collarbone almost. And um, he sort of like nurses him back to health and he has a teenager son who wants to be like, wants to like see things and experience things. But he's Henry is very protective of him and it's slowly revealed throughout the film. Although you'd have to be a complete moron not to see this in the trailer, but <laughs> I'm mean, not a moron, but you'd have to be like completely out of touch with Western mythology uh, to not know that uh, Tim Blake Nelson is playing Billy the kid as an old man. Mm. Um, I mean, they say his name in the... They say Henry McCarty in the trailer, which is Billy the Kid's real name. Um, so, yeah, he's really Billy the Kid. And uh, <laughs> the movie is good, except <laughs> for the way that it sort of very formulaically wrap thing, wraps things up at the end. Like, this idea... the First of all, the idea that he's Billy the Kid is... I think it's unnecessary. It feels very mm. gimmicky. He could just be like a gunfighter, you know? It's just your typical sort of like unforgiven sort of like, you know, man with the tortured past sort of thing. And Tim Blake Nelson is very, very appropriate at playing this role. Although I've never seen him do something so sort of aggressively action-oriented. Like he he's has some like almost John Wick style killings wow. at the end um <laughs> but they don't they, they're not bad though i mean there's it's fun to watch and uh when he has to face steven dorf and his gang so uh but um yeah i mean just this idea that he's billy the kid and that it's sort of built up throughout the, the narrative is sort of unnecessary although i do like there are a couple of flashbacks that are a lot of fun uh they really look look cool and they're like dreamlike and weird and uh scott hayes is a terrible actor uh, so he's not great in this, and uh, the sort of twist with his character towards the end of the film is, again, just completely unnecessary and really boring. And you could see it coming eighteen miles away, and it makes me really sad because I was on my way to giving this a, maybe a mm. four until that twist happened, and I was like, "That's so bad! Like I can't believe they, like they couldn't restrain themselves. You know, they had to do it." And uh, it's just a real big bummer, so I had to give it a three. But, I mean, it's certainly, I don't know, if you're a Western head like I am, you got you, you got to mm. dip in. <laughs> <laughs> you can't bury the past, as the tagline says. So, Oh, also, uh, Trace Atkins is mm. in this as 
as his brother-in-law to his widowed to his uh, wife who died. He's a widow. And uh, Trace Atkins is not too bad. He's better yeah. than you would think. So, old Henry. Cool. Whatever. Kevin. Let's see. Uh. Uh, John, you want to talk? Uh, Invisible Man. Let's right. do it. I watched this because I'm watching all of the uh, things that are on Criterion, or I was going to mm. watch all of them, but then Film Junk, they're doing a premium on Universal Movies, so I just decided to watch all the ones that they're doing on their premium, cool. so I've done that now, and Invisible Man was mm. one of them, Would you? and I will say the best one of all of them, yeah. in my opinion. I, uh, <laughs> I I would need to go back and rewatch a bunch of them, uh, but yeah, th- this is... For the longest time, this has been my favorite of any of the Universal Monster movies because I just love Claude Rains in this movie. and His voice. You well, mean. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he, he also, you know, gets, you know with, get monster with, uh, with his hands and stuff. But, uh, oh, right. But, yeah. Sure. Like, uh, no, he is good, though. I like his voice yeah, in it a lot. And, uh, I, th- I, th- I think the practical effects, you know, they're not amazing, but I think they hold up for the time that they were made in. Um, and like, I also think like, like it's interesting, you know, it, it is kind of a cliched thing at this point, but like uh, invisible man really drives home the idea that like the scariest, uh, the scariest of monsters is still just a crazy human being. Cause like, um, you know, there's a lo- there's a scene where he's like talking to this uh, scientist that he used to work with, and like, you know, uh, well, we're gonna begin a reign of terror. You know, a couple of murders here and there. You know, maybe we'll de- derail a train, and like, then like, <laughs> then the film proceeds to show him doing just that, and it's like, you know, like, yeah, in the film, you know, all you see is a train going over going over a cliff or whatever. But, like, then you start to think, like, oh, there's, like, you know, probably however many people on that train. You know, whereas, like, The Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein, those are all, like, more contained horrors that only, like, um, affect, like, a couple of people or maybe, like, a small village, like, like in the case of Frankenstein. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, I, he, he uh... He's his maniacal demeanor is definitely the thing that I find most mm. interesting about it. Like how crazily homicidal he is yeah. as opposed to like you say the other characters in the other films um a lot of which like he's invisible at the beginning yeah. of this movie. Like he starts the movie yeah. invisible. Most of these films, you don't even see the threat until like half an hour into the thing, and the movie's an hour and ten minutes if long. That, you know? Yeah. So it's like it's great to see Claude Rains not see him, but yeah. to you know see this character, the Invisible Man, um, throughout the entire film. You know, and I and I and I think it's a lot of fun to see the sort of clever ways they get away with, you know, having things move mm. and him move about the screen. How they how they show that to the audience, you know, being that you can't yeah. see him. You know, you're seeing the effect of the things that mm. he's doing. And uh, I love the sort of <laughs> the insane links that the police have to yeah. go to to 
protect people and to find him and all these, and not, nothing yeah. works, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I liked yeah. it quite a bit. Very, very good film. I liked when he ran that guy off the road in the car and oh, yeah. killed him too. It's like really brutal. Like it's, there's nothing that intense or brutal in any of the other ones, which is, I mean, Frankenstein killing that little girl is pretty mm. intense, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like he beats her to death or something. He throws her in the water. Like she's, she just yeah. can't swim. But you know, it's, uh, but I mean, especially other the other movies like The Wolfman, where, you know, he just kind of like grabs somebody, and throws them to the ground out of out of the frame, and then you hear about what happened later. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like I mean, I don't know. It's not yeah. as interesting. Mm. And don't get me started on Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> Fucking Walt. <laughs> I just nothing happens in Bride of Frankenstein. It's just really fucking boring. Like especially compared to the compared to Frankenstein is mm. good. Like I really liked it, and then I liked The Visible Man. I was like, oh man, I gotta watch more James Whale shit. And then I'll check out Bride of Frankenstein. And then the, the fact that it's called Bride of I mean, I'm sure this has been said ad nauseum, but it's called Bride of Frankenstein. The bride is in the last two and a half minutes of the movie. Mm. <laughs> She's not even in the fucking movie. Yeah. It- I, like yeah, it kind of becomes a showpiece for Karloff and Lugosi. Right? Is Lugosi Isn't he Igor? Or am I thinking of another movie? I don't, you might be thinking of another Maybe movie. Maybe the black cat. Yeah, yeah, he's oh. not in this. Um, My bad. But the guy who plays Igor in the first film, or whatever his name mm. is in the first film, he's not in this, and he's the guy who played Renfield oh, and Dracula. Right, also, right, right. he's great, and I wish he was in this, and he's not in it, and the. I, I like the idea of Frankenstein, uh, or the monster, rather, um, you know, and the blind man and all that stuff. Like, that's an interesting <laughs> idea, but, Car- like, honestly, and this is this might be controversial, but Karloff is fucking horrible in both of these movies. <laughs> like, his portrayal of the monster is so stupid and boring and lame, and I, I may, I'm sure it was terrifying in 1930, but it's, like, it's it's so cartoony and over-the-top and... Uh, it does nothing for me mm. at all. I like the way he looks, but uh, he, terrible, terrible. But I like everything surrounding him mm. so much that I'm willing to forgive it. Right. In the first film, in this film, it's yeah. it ain't good. And uh, just just a tag on the end of this uh, end of this discussion. Uh, I also rewatched uh, Young Frankenstein, which still mm. monumentally holds up. It is so damn good. Like. <laughs> Like, even though I've seen the movie, like, you know, hundreds of times, like, like when, um, when Gene Hackman is playing the blind guy and he's like about to serve the monster, the soup, and he just dumps this soup, scalding hot soup on the monster's crotch (laughs) and Peter Boyle's like, it's just, it's so great. And Gene Wilder is fantastic. Everybody in this movie is fantastic. I uh, have not seen Give it. Give it a shot. Hmm. I will. I will. I saw, I, I remember seeing the um, scene early on where he's like lecturing in a yeah, hall yeah. of students or whatever. And he's like, um, he stabs himself with a fork and all that. I, I remember seeing that and thinking right. it was funny, but I never got around to seeing the actual film. So we need to do a uh, quick, quick wrap to get to set aside and memories for time reasons. Um, no, let's talk about the last duel, man. We got to talk about the la- at least the yeah, last go duel. Ahead. Right. Okay. Yeah. Go. 
<laughs> um, it's your turn, bud. <laughs> I thought the last rule was was possibly uh, brilliant. It's uh, the kind of Rashomon multiple perspective style uh, really worked for me. The way that the perspectives build on top of each other was awesome. I started the movie being like, I don't know what Matt Damon is doing. And like the dialogue is so... Um, they're doing like classic, not Shakespearean, but trying to do like a, you know, like an old style of dialogue. And like Matt Damon's delivery of it is just weird. And then you just, you learn that he's an illiterate, dim-witted sourpuss uh, who's unkillable. And uh, <laughs> like the way that he talks... And his delivery, make, it, just, it just makes so much more sense. Um, structure rules. I liked almost everyone's performance. Uh, Who sucked? Oh, no. Uh, I Like, Matt Damon's mother was the worst performance, I think. And that's like, what, okay. a small part. Okay. No, ben, ben Affleck ruled. Uh, yes, thank you. Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck was amazing ah. in this. Yes, that, How good I mean, was Ben Affleck? Oh that my character, God. that character was just incredible. Count Pierre yeah. is an, an amazing villain, but also, like, I was so glad that they were able to like make him, um, like, this degenerate deviant without like having him like rape like a little boy or something. You know, like they didn't get cartoonish <laughs> with it. Like, right, they, sure. Yeah. Like yeah. I just I was I really you. worried. I yeah. was really worried it was going to get too dark mm. with that. Um, but and, and then I I thought Comer, Judy Comer. Once we get to her perspective, which is at the end, uh, I thought she was amazing as well. And like again in the Matt Damon section, which I think is so smart with how it lays out all the basic information um, with very little extra stuff, just because Matt Damon is not an interesting human, and the way he if he doesn't think. So it makes sense that there's like no extra shit going on in his kind of recounting, um, but it also makes Jodie Comer like a doorstop. Like she's barely a character, mm-hmm. um, but at the end she like she gets to open up, and uh, and it's incredible. And then the uh, the final the final scene is just scene of the year. I just had such a visceral reaction. To this uh, titular duel, um, I was squirming in my seat. I was, I was, I was having a, I was having a moment. Um, and again, you know, we can't talk about the duel until uh, Kevin sees this thing. I really hope right. that you that you do see it because um, I, it's good. It's like really Scott has not done anything so good uh, since 1979. And it's 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 just wild that he produced something that I <laughs> yeah yeah I agree when you when you texted earlier that this was his third best film I was like that seems uh, like a hyperbolic or trolly statement but then I was thinking about it, I was like yeah, that's pretty that's like pretty easy to say like I don't there's nothing that even comes close to his first two films and this is definitely very very good so I People can't think our of any- age men our age love Gladiator sure. I, I, don't. I don't, but I, I get why they do. Um, but yeah, this is sort of... For me, it's like Gladiator is on the same level as 
some of his other like uh like well the rewatch I just had of Prometheus I put that alongside something like Gladiator or um I don't even fucking I would have said that uh, Black Hawk Down too but Black Hawk Down is like <laughs> way worse but they're just like these like sort of like serviceable you know actiony uh adventure movies you know that are fun to watch and they have a lot of problems but like this has so few of those problems and i will also say that that um the last duel it's really good i don't know how much of it is good because of ridley scott's direction Mm, necessarily yeah the script is great and the uh the uh editing is great and the acting is great it looks really nice I was I was guilty of this, and I, I actually this is like the first movie that I've gone to see like with a friend in forever. Mm-hmm. Maybe since I moved here, see a lot of movies by myself. Um, but we were so, like I was admitting to him like I don't like Ridley Scott, and I was I was looking for both like inspired direction, and I was also looking for god awful direction, mm. uh, expecting to see more of the latter, and I didn't see any of that. Like this is. I'm glad he didn't try to like do something flashy uh, with his directorial style here. It's uh, it's very point and shoot efficient. Yeah, it's competent. It's competent. Uh, very competent. I do like the look. Normandy in the 1300s looks just cold and gross and shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks awful. Uh, and like I remember, there's a very specific scene in the third section where like you finally see sunlight. Um, but notably, none of the characters get to experience it. Like, the sunlight is outside while Judy Comer is, like, in a room um, <laughs> dealing with Matt Damon's mother. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's just, like, it's like, no one gets to be happy. Uh, it's, uh, I thought it was great, great too, that, um, speaking of the perspective stuff, that, like, during the entire first maybe 40 minutes of the movie, which is Matt Damon's perspective that Adam Driver definitely seems like the sort of sympathetic, like, good guy character. And then he just, like, they completely... For his... For for Adam Driver's perspective, he's doing horrible things under his own perspective, but he thinks yeah. they're good. They're okay. Yes. Which so, is... That's I mean, great. <laughs> I mean, what this is about. Like, everyone has probably seen the trailer and knows what this is about. But this, like, this is about... Um, Leading up to and after the, the rape of, mm. of Jodie Comer uh, by Adam Driver, like he is, he is accused, and in his retelling of it, it, it is so telling how how it happens and how he describes it. Whereas, like, well, of course she she protested that she had the nominal protest. She's a lady, and like, so he's logicked his brain into thinking that like rape of a noble lady is literally not possible because they have to say no they have right to. but they don't mean it wow right, right. it's uh and a, a lot of the sort of um like it feel it i think it deals really well uh with really complicated things like rape culture and there are a lot of moments especially at the end where your first instinct is to like laugh at how ridiculous some of the laws of 14th century France were, and then be like, "Oh, that hasn't changed that much since then." Uh, sure, you know, and, and I think like, I mean, they're playing like the the clergyman saying that like rape is uh, 
not a crime against a woman. It is a property crime against the husband of a woman. And, like, it's meant to kind of, like, get you to, like, chuckle to yourself. But, yeah, it's, uh... Well, there was a specific line that really... It's a dark chuckle. Absolutely. And there was a specific line where I thought they went... It's the only line where I thought they went too far with that sort of thing, which were they went too far into that sort of like madman territory where we're going to show you something that's so ridiculous from the past that you're going to have to laugh, which is when the priest said that it's it's impossible to be, become pregnant through rape. So if she's pregnant, you know, she must not have been raped. And I was like, and that the line was delivered and it was just like so, and people laughed in my theater and I was just like, that's just so, such a hmm. like well, easy get to the line, you know? He says it's science. Yeah, it's just science, Ooh. right? That's just like it's like you don't need to go that far with it, but it's, it's whatever, you know. That's I don't, I don't think it's quite. I think it's so bad, uh, but that is like there are like ten minutes there, especially with the trial, where again I think we are meant to mm-hmm. to both chuckle and ruminate on how things have changed or not changed since the thirteen minutes. Absolutely, but yeah, I uh, this is a high recommend for me. This is. Yeah, I, I went into this movie thinking that hopefully mm. it's fine, should be fine, and I, I was surprised. Oh, I went in fully expecting to give it a two. <laughs> Just like, you know, it's like the, more medieval stuff from Ridley Scott. Like, this will not be... It'll. I was like, hopefully I'll get some good action out of this, a couple of good violent moments, and then, you know, who cares about the rest of it? But it was not. It was that, and then it was, I cared about mm. the rest of it, so <laughs> it was good, you know? Um, all right. Well, uh, we can move on to uh, unless Kevin has something pressing, we can move on to Sunnyside. Yeah, sure. Okay, Sunnyside is our movie that we had to watch. Kevin and I had to watch for Letterboxd Roulette from last time, and it's from 1919. It's directed by Charlie Chaplin. It's starring Charlie Chaplin and Edna Purviance, and um, it's uh, 30 minutes long. It's on YouTube. It's on HBO Max. It's on Criterion. Um, Kevin, would you uh, and JR watched this too because he hadn't seen it before. So, uh, what did I guess? What did both of you guys think of uh, Sunny Side? I thought it was fun. Um, I liked the uh, I liked the little dream sequence with the uh, the nymphs after he falls off the bridge. Loved yeah, the dream that was sequence. Really good. Yeah, that was great. Um, the gags are pretty funny. Um, it's it's hard to say too much about it because you know it literally is only half an hour, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'm. I, w- I was glad that uh, that was something that we were quote unquote forced to watch. For sure, I was going to ask. Now I liked it a lot, and I liked the last five minutes of it quite a bit. I liked the way it ended. Um, it also has two or three things that are sort of uh, pretty original. I thought, and I mean, s- speaking as someone who hasn't seen a ton of shit pre-1919 um but uh it has multiple times when the characters look directly into the camera did you guys notice this i mean like almost like they're looking at the camera almost like breaking the fourth wall like woody allen would or something like or like jim from the office you know like looking at the camera like oh my god Mm. you know like bringing the audience into it i don't know it has to be one of the first times that's been done if that's even being done it's what it feels like it's being done i'm looking at i'm like that's Mm. what i got from it I don't know if you guys noticed this. Did you guys notice I, this? So I noticed it, but did not. Right. Notice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that, but that is probably more of a, a move. I uh, and I'm I'm glad you guys are are saying positive things because the only thing I wrote down is like I came to life with the uh, 
with the, the dream sequence. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, and, and it must have just been like my mood when I watched this. I was like, I'm really bored. My attention's wavering. And, uh, <laughs> Ouch. I think, I think that was, I just I so rarely feel, feel that with Charlie Chaplin that I just, I have to imagine it was a, a me state of mind thing. And uh, I need to do this. Mm. Well, I mean, I won't, I won't, this isn't the, close to the best stuff that I've seen by Chaplin. I mean, but it's, for me, Chaplin is doing essentially the same thing in everything that he does, and it's very enjoyable. And uh, the the sort of ups and downs come from, you know, how good the ideas are in each thing, right? And I thought that the dream sequence with the nymphs was unusual, Compared to other things, like I've never seen him do anything like that. Really, like that was pretty mm. strange for for a Chaplin film. And uh, also the idea that is this is this or is this not the first time he's actually in the Tramp outfit? Because this is nineteen nineteen. Mm. He's in the Tramp out. He because he's not in the Tramp outfit for right. most of it. And at the very end, he's in it. He gets into it. I don't. I don't know about. I don't need that. Sorry, I don't. Uh, that's too much research for us to do live. Yeah. Maybe one of us can look that up later. No, anyway. You're looking it up now. I am. It's okay. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's I it. That's all I have to say. I don't have any, like, I wrote it down. Like, did I just miss some moments of inspiration? And I think I did. Mm. I think I did miss them, and I think I need to go back. Um, mm. We have to go back, uh, and that's that's it. Um, yeah, what, what else? I, yeah, yeah. You know, this uh, this is bound to happen when we have thirty minutes. Yeah, thirty minutes uh, long, guys. And that's, and yeah. That's okay. and, you know, so we move on to, to memories and everything. Is good. Let's do it. Feel good about um. No, I'm done. I, I I can't find a straight. I mean, it says that the tramp's been around since 1914, but it says that he started in kitted auto races, and that is not the tramp. Like that's just mm. like he's not like he's just it's just Charlie Chaplin. He's not in that that specific outfit with the you know I don't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, Memories directed by three mm. gentlemen. Their One names of which we never named. No, I know we will now. Their names are. Koji Morimoto, Katsuhiro Otomo, and Tensai Okamura, and uh, written by uh, Katsuhiro Otomo and Satoshi Kon. And uh, from 1995, it's an anime. It's a mm-hmm. three-parter. I think all all of these uh, vignettes are adapted from oh. Katsuhiro Otomo's manga, correct? Manga? That's it. Says that he is the writer of the manga. Yeah, which I guess is why he's a writing has mm-hmm. a writing credit. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I assume there's a manga of this. Um, so I guess we should just... Sh- should we go one by one for the vignettes? Or should we talk overall uh, thoughts? We can go one by one. Uh, well, I, I guess the the first and most obvious question would be, um, was there one that... Was there one sequence you thought was, like, head and shoulders above the others? I think yes. everybody has Absolutely. the exact same uh, sequence that they think is head and shoulders above the others, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it's from what I've read, everybody talks about uh, magnetic rows. No, you're, you're right. I hope you're not. Yeah. 
um, which is the first segment in which there are a group of astronauts who respond to a distress call from a derelict mm. spacecraft, much like yeah. Alien, and um, one of the three great Ridley Scott <laughs> films. Um, and uh, they go into this craft, and the inside of it looks like a... Uh, uh, royal palace from this 18th century mm. or something and uh they're trying to figure out what's going on and it's littered with the ghosts of people who have been dead for a long time and uh they start to experience things from their own pasts and uh I, yeah i thought it uh, was absolutely incredible and uh really exceptionally well written and weirdly emotional not weirdly emotional i mean obviously it's emotional because of the the mm. content but just the fact that it's like car- a cartoon I, I don't know how many times i've ever been emotionally affected by a cartoon mm. um i mean first satoshi Kon was a perfect choice to adapt a story that like that weaponizes memory mm. like this mm. um just as he seems so good at doing that his other work um, but I mean, yeah, like sort of the the, the emotional stuff. One of Heinz, the uh, our main character astronaut, like he has to relive uh, his daughter mm. dying, uh, and dying in like a really rough way, and like the way that the way that this kind of AI that's uh, that's kind of both seducing and torturing these two astronauts that wields power is so fascinating it like she she is uh it's taken like mm. this dead uh, yeah. opera singer um she she creates these illusions and uh she basically can give and take away the power to like, interact with those illusions so like at one point um you know he has the vision of his daughter falling off the roof and then he's on the ground like potentially able to catch her and of course you know it's an illusion so she falls hits the ground and falls through him hits the ground um but you know a moment later the, the ai like lets him touch and pick up his dead daughter and it's uh that's it's a very cool power but i i love this uh this ai and it's illusions but there are also physical like manifestations that kind of look like paper mache on crack <laughs> It's the whole, all of that works. Mm. Oh, no, you're, uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I agree that, that character specifically, I mean, the other character is sort of almost on the periphery mm. for most of it. Like the, the main character whose daughter died is, seems to be the, the point of things. And yeah, the whole, the sequence where they're having dinner and, uh, on the stage and it turns into like melting white. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on. Everything starts breaking yeah. apart. It's just really like, yeah, it's like appropriately disturbing. Mm. And I can imagine that being like a horrifying yeah. dream. And it's really the only, it's interesting. Cause it's, it's like, it's so, it's the only vignette that does anything thematically with memory. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like so it seems like kind of a poor poor title maybe for the uh, for the collection because the other two don't have anything to do with memory really. Um, I I came up with a case for the third one. Yeah, I could think yeah, about yeah. the third one maybe. I don't know with a the second one 
Absolutely does not. <laughs> I don't know with uh with uh But I mean, you know. Well, I mean, I guess I guess moving right along, uh the second vignette uh stink bomb, I feel like like mm-hmm. I I remember seeing um this documentary in uh, an art class that I was taking when I was at BRCC and they were talking about uh, Japanese artwork and how so much of it is post-apocalyptic because Japan had an apocalypse like with the, uh, with the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And so like, I feel like, like, yeah, like even though it's being, even though the apocalypse is coming to Japan in a different way with stink bomb, it's still like, you know, that collective memory of an apocalypse is definitely shining through here. And like with the military, like powerless to do anything about it. And um, and also like uh, like one of the things that I really appreciated about the second vignette is how humorous it is, even though like it's dealing with some pretty, you know, it's pretty dark, you know, because uh you know, all of a sudden this, you know, this guy takes some medicine because he's got a cold and it has it, it's, it has some weird interactions with his body chemistry. And next thing you know, he's a walking stink bomb that's literally killing everybody around him. And like, I, pa- I thought it was a little um, confusing for. OK, there's two things I feel like they're trying to I don't know if they're trying to like get away with something here, but one is that. Don't they describe the smell at the beginning as being like a nice smell, like a pleasant I smell? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like believe the two so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't they say something like it smells like a flower or perfume yeah, or yeah. something like that, or a sweet smell? Because I remember thinking that's 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 odd. And then secondly, when uh, when he finds all the people dead in his office, he or somebody says that his the chief guy had passed out and they're calling an ambulance oh yeah uh so i was like are they trying to like get away with like something through the through the translation of like trying to say he's not dead like he's obviously dead like his I, eyes I are open Nobuo, yeah uh, nope no uh, yeah I, th- I think that he is an idiot very much so that's true who's, who's just like like in a state of denial yeah. he's just not accepting that the people around him are dead uh this right. is actually a, his lack of awareness the whole time, and he just doesn't seem to recognize that he is the mm. problem. Um, if there is a thematic significance to that, I, I don't know it, um, but I don't like it. I, yeah, it's it's, it's frustrating. Um, I, I don't like. Um, I don't think I like Steve. Uh, I I wish that it were maybe ten minutes shorter. This should not have been a full forty minutes to me. Um, but I but I liked a lot about Steve Bob. I liked the animation. Especially like when you have like, the American mech suits mm. in the tunnel, uh, and they're blowing the fan. Like I thought that sequence looks really cool. I liked the music. Um, I just I wish it was shorter. I like the uh, missiles that when they're firing at him and blowing up the bridges and shit. I was like, it just reminded me of yeah. Gundam Wing, and I was yeah. just like, this is cool, man. <laughs> like seeing explosions yeah. and shit like that. Again, those are a lot of fun. Yeah, and I agree. The animation is. In fact, that's when I made the note uh, that the animation is incredible and really detailed and just mm. terrific. Um, I, I wish I had seen it. I, now this might be blasphemous. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I really wish I had seen this dubbed oh. um, <laughs> because reading the subtitles 
was distracting me from seeing. I wanted to, I almost had to pause it a couple of times to read the subtitles because I don't care. I wanted to see what was happening because the animation mm. is so beautiful. And I was like, I'm frustrated that I have to stop looking and go down Peacock and didn't read. Give you the option because I want to see the imagery. Peacock didn't huh? give you that option. Well, as far as I could tell, is only the oh, one okay. version okay. on Peacock. Um, the one on um, the one on Amazon that I rented is. The SD version, which I assume means it's not the mm. standard. That's gross. <laughs> I know, I know. So no, it was on Peacock. It looked like shit honest. too. On Peacock, it looked like sub v- sub DVD quality, Jeez, like in between, saying, like laser disc quality. That the, the Blu-ray, whatever master they did for that is probably not streaming yet. I mean, but hopefully, hopefully they add that and. The, I don't know. I mean, you've got it. Maybe you watched it, the new dub that they did. Maybe that's good. I'm not sure if it was uh, the new, uh, a remastered or re, you know, redone version. But uh, I, I still watched it in Japanese with the with the subtitles because that's how I watched it on Amazon when I first saw it. But like, yeah, that was that was a big reason why did- I thought like, oh, I need to watch this again because like, you know, something like this like bears repeating. So, yeah. Did you guys notice that the Americans in the Instinct Bomb had French accents when they spoke? No. Yeah, like the like the, like all the Americans have French mm. accents. I don't know if that's like a mistake on uh, you know, like whenever they're speaking oh. English, the few times right. they speak English, not when they speak mm. Japanese obviously. And like the characters in the first in um, Magnetic Rose are called Heinz yeah, and Miguel. I- Ivanov. And, like they uh, have these really, like, European yeah. names, you know? Yeah. Kind of strange. But it struck me, the whole thing struck me as, like, the reason, I mean, I enjoyed the film, and the reason I enjoyed it, I think, is because it struck me very much as, like, a Twilight Zone, the movie, yeah, but animated, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's, like, just yeah. really good speculative yeah, yeah. fiction. Uh, so, I, and in Stink Bomb, I agree with JR that it should have been shorter, I think it could have been a lot shorter, honestly. I think it could have been shorter than the last segment, and maybe you could have got two more segments or something out of this thing. But, um, but I certainly I didn't dis I didn't mm. dislike it, you know. Yeah, I just thought they were really solid, you know, little uh, Great. little vignettes. What about a so, uh, cannon fodder? To, uh, cannon fodder, right? Which is a mm. Tomo's yeah uh, one directed his own adaptation. Yeah. A different style of animation, like drastically here. so. Which, which mm-hmm. I, I liked. I, I thought it was mm. unique. I thought it was cool. And I was really into um, the dystopian kind of design. Canon mm. yeah. City. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that might just be like a sucker for this kind of thing. Um, but I, this guy's I a sucker really, for yeah. cannons. Oh, Jesus! Yeah. I just need the, the biggest um, and raddest cannon. Yeah. The art style reminds me of a French artist that I like um, named Jacques mm. Tardy, who uh, he's done a lot of stuff, but he did a World War One series called uh, God Damn This War. And it's it seemed, and, and that's what it reminded mm. me, I guess, of that so much is that the, the cannoneers are all dressed like World War One, you know, sort of like French World right. War One soldiers, you know, with the, the doughboy helmet things and the um, the yeah. gas masks and everything. But yeah, I thought, uh, at first, I was not into it because 
the child in it looks very cartoony. <laughs> and, uh, and I was at first, I was like, oh, I don't know how this is. I'm not going to be into this. But then, uh, yeah, it won me over. I like that there was, I mean, it was essentially like, I mean, I guess it wasn't, it felt, it almost feel like in retrospect, when I think about it in my memory, yeah. get it, memories, it almost feels dialogueless. And I know that they yeah. speak to each other in it, but it feels almost like, I guess it's that French influence mm. on it. It feels like a, yeah, like a, um, I don't know, who the fuck is that surrealist French guy who does those movies? <laughs> uh. With the silent character who Fucking playtime. Who made playtime? Jr. Come on. Jacques, Jacques Tati. Ah. Tati. Right. So I. So it's like the animation is like tardy, mm. and the uh, style of the storytelling is like Tati. But anyways, I don't know. I maybe that, maybe those things aren't uh, entering into a tone. They might at all, be. But, I mean. Um. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, possibly. I. Yeah. But I. I like the last segment. I love the procedural mm. cannon loading, and firing. Uh, I like how much time they spent on that. Because honestly, when they showed that huge cannon that the main guy goes to, I was like, I was looking at it really closely. I was like, uh, does this make sense the way this cannon's <laughs> laid out? Like, are they going to be able to load a shell into this thing? And then they actually spent like 10 minutes showing how they load a <laughs> shell into it. I was like, oh, all right, yeah. this is great, you know? I'm into it. And I really, what the one thing that I really thought was awesome and then turned out not to be the case was the main like the officer guy gets up there and he goes and presses the button you know it's like very ceremonial Mm. and everything and uh they make everybody else leave and go into like a bunker almost they watch from like the sidelines right and i was like that's interesting i thought i was like this is really this is a cool idea that this culture that they're in this dystopian future that they're almost like their religion Mm. is war or something you know and it's like this guy's going to sacrifice himself to fire this cannon. Every time they fire this cannon, the guy who presses the button dies. Like, I was like, that would be an interesting idea, but that's not the case. He comes back later and does it again. But <laughs> I was like, that would be a really well, cool idea. Like, but It's know, definitely an interesting idea. idea, but like, it does also go like a hundred percent with the satirical element of that. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like the fact, like, it's not gonna. It doesn't get quite that dark. I mean, it's a dark. The whole thing is dark, but it's like you say, it's wrapped in yeah, satire. Yeah. It's not meant to be like a. Uh, I don't think it's meant to be like a super downer. Or anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like it's very yeah. 1984 with the the whole thing of like mm-hmm. we're 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 yeah. at war, we're winning, but like we never who are with whom are we at? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and then you the see and you see the the wasteland that they're firing the ro- the the shells into. I mean, there there yeah, is nothing yeah. like. They're right. fighting no one, <laughs> but yeah, it's a great. Yeah. It's it's good. I loved um, like just little like side details about the city. Uh, my favorite was the uh, guy handing out flyers demanding better working conditions with non toxic gunpowder. Yeah, uh, just you know, gotta gotta get those right. rights in. Yeah. <laughs> Hell. He doesn't, yeah. He like he doesn't realize that he's yeah. being oppressed in 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 a much yeah. bigger way. <laughs> so they're going to give him that non toxic gunpowder just yeah. to placate him to make sure. Then he'll feel like he had a victory. That's that. Yeah, it's really very interesting. Very so, good. Um, yeah. I actually didn't notice this the first time that I watched it. Like it wasn't until like reading about it later and then seeing it again this time. Did you guys notice that it's the way it's animated to be one continuous shot? 
Uh, you know, I didn't mm. notice that. No, I, I noticed that it's constantly. Moving. Yeah, like. Yeah, I didn't. That didn't. That yeah, didn't. We, that didn't occur to like me. Change. We change locations, and we got we get a lot of transitions between locations, like uh, you know, mm. kids in school learning about um, canon chemistry or whatever, and kind of looks out uh, to the sky, and we see the sky change and I did not. Yeah. Cool. Damn. Yeah, like, you know, like, obviously, I'm not. I'm not here to shit on, you know, uh, you know, like Walt Disney or uh, uh, Don. Uh, what's his face? Uh, no, uh, the guy. Who, <laughs> the, the guy. No, oh, Hertzfeld. <laughs> no, the. Uh, no. No, Don. Don. Don Hertzfeld. He's is, an animator, oh. right? Yeah, but I, you're probably I, talking about like. American yeah, the, five yeah, Secret of Nam. Oh, Don Bluth. Yeah, Don yeah. Bluth. Or, or you know, Miyazaki or anybody else. But like, Otomo and Khan, the two <laughs> greatest directors in the history of animation. Yeah, they're like, the masters. I mean, like, yeah, the, like other other people have done very remarkable, exceptional work. But like these two guys, like they just got it. You know. What about uh, Mamoru Oshii, who did Ghost in the Shell, and Pat uh, I need to. I still need to rewatch Ghost in the Shell. I've I started it a while back, but for some reason I I didn't finish it. But like, it did not grab me the same way that uh, this or like uh, you know. I mean, it's not as uh, I agree with you. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell isn't as good as as a uh, as a cure yeah. obviously but or as um yeah perfectly. like that was one of the things like when there was this, like that whole you know quote unquote controversy about uh, them remaking it and Scarlett Johansson being in it it's like are y'all really that mm. emotionally invested in Ghost in the Shell where this is that much of a problem for you like yes well, it's more of a more of a racist thing i think they thought well, it was racist White savior, white whitewashing. I can see where they're coming enough. from, but at the same time, it's very uh, what, what you call it, um, virtue signaling. Possibly by on, on the parts of some people. I think some people are genuinely offended. Yeah. I could see that, but th- when you actually see the film, you realize that. Well, which might be even more offensive is that she's she's playing the android with the brain of a Japanese mm. woman. Yeah. <laughs> so the Japanese woman is dead and now lives inside of a white woman's body. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. All right. So, all right. Well, anything else to say about memories or Five ratings? out of five still. JR? Uh, I took, I think, the average. I, I added up my three ratings for the individual uh, vignettes divided by three. It gave me a, a 3.833. Um, so I'm going to go with four. I am going to give it a four. I didn't do any math. I'm just going to give it a four because it feels like a four. It feels like a four because I like the first one so much, and I like this third one less, mm. but still a lot. So yeah, I was I was five two point five four. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. good. That's interesting. Okay. Well, uh, how are we doing, Letterbox Roulette? Is it with a Tomo? Because if it's with a Tomo, I feel like J- uh, uh, Kevin has won, right? Haven't you seen them all these uh, movies? Pretty much, yeah. Well, honestly, like that's probably appropriate since we may not have Kevin. I mean, yeah, fair enough. So we don't even really need to do. I mean, the if y'all want to hold right? off, I'm totally cool with that. Hold off on roulette. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, let's just do it. Let's just do the. Uh, 
All Let's right. just do the list. Yeah, we'll just do the list and we'll say it's JR and me you have to watch since you've seen you every guys, Otomo. Out of 35, 70. I was going to say, uh, which one? There was, uh, there was an individual thing for uh, cannon fodder. I was going to see if you guys wanted to go ahead and mark that before we actually did this. Kevin, I would have seen like three of the, yeah, these exactly. then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That doesn't do anything for me. Um Okay. But I but thank you. Uh yeah, it, yeah, it's like did a, he really? like three or four minute thing. Uh you can see it on YouTube. Same with a World Department Horror. All right, JR. Mushishi. I have uh while you guys were talking, I've I've found the movie that we're going to watch. I know. It's Jesus. two two ninety seven. And it's a movie that you've seen. It's uh, Where Is My Friend's House, Abbas Kuristami. Are you against this? You want to redo it? Uh, I like him. So you're okay? It's only 83 minutes also, which is great. I know you need to try again on watching the Iranian movie. I need. I liked the Iranian movie I watched that more yeah, than you actually. guys did. Uh, <laughs> oh, you did? The Time for Drunken Horses? Yeah, yeah I, I thought think it was he good. gave it like three and a half. I thought it was Time for Drunken Horses is not a movie. Yeah, it was. Story of a Weeping Camel. What? What? What are you talking about, JR? JR is drunk. Are you you okay, bud? No, it was was Time for Drunken Horses. Story of a Weeping Camel. Or or Cloudcap Star. Cloudcap Star. That was like Indian Pakistani. Yeah. I didn't realize that you had watched. I watched it. I didn't watch it in time for the episode, and I watched it right, right after the yeah. episode. And I just didn't talk about it because we had already talked about it. But I mean, I liked it a little mm. bit more than you guys did. But um, I'm anxious to see a Kurostami film. I own Close Up, which is his highest rated on Letterboxd, so I might watch that as well. Um, but yeah, so we'll be watching Where Is My Friend's House. And next time on the show, a big show, Kevin will be away. So we will have a special guest, still uh, TDB, TBD, right? Um, and we will be talking the biggest release of the year, Denny Villeneuve's Dune, which I may or may not have already seen, but I'm about to see it on the big screen for real uh, tonight. And JR is going to watch it on the little screen for real tomorrow. Yeah, and hopefully he'll get out to the theater at some but, point. Hopefully before we record, I'll have seen it twice. Once in Perfect. Uh, and again, we're, we're we're so into the idea of this movie that we're both just going to see it. I mean, I'm going to see it. I'll probably I might watch it on TV mm. as well again, just to refresh myself. Since I'm going to see it tonight, and it might you know it's going to be two weeks, I guess, until we record again, <laughs> right? So, so. It's like Love I might it. have to watch it again, but um, just you have your seven and a half hours <laughs> to devote to. I mean, whatever, you know. I got lots of downtime mm. at work, man. You don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> yes, that's correct. We have the same job, and our jobs are very different. Well, I don't, well he teaches seniors, and you teach. What, what grade do you teach? That's true. 
I teach the seniors. Oh, oh. Ugh, eighth graders, gross. <laughs> that's so gross, dude. I don't know how you do that. God bless you. That's that's nasty. All right, well, I got to get going, so we're gonna wrap it up and uh, visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com. Uh, find the podcast at Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. And, uh, you know, keep listening as long as you can take it, okay? And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Yes.